What did I not expect? I didn't expect that we would pull it off so relatively seamlessly. Right? I mean, <laughs> right. at the pace that was moved was probably absent of the typical planning and due diligence and user training and documentation. Welcome to the Ultimate Guide to Partnering. In this podcast, Vince Menzione, a proven industry sales and partner executive, brings together technology leaders in this forum to discuss transformational trends and to deconstruct successful strategies to thrive and survive in the rapid age of cloud transformation. And now your host, Vince Menzione. Welcome to, or welcome back to the Ultimate Guide to Partnering, where technology leaders come to optimize results through successful partnering. I'm Vince Menzione, your host. And my mission is to help leaders like you achieve your greatest business results by unlocking the leadership principles, best practices, and learnings of the best in the business to help you get partnerships right, optimize for success, and deliver results during this time of intense transformation. For this episode of the podcast... I was delighted to welcome Jason Beal, the Senior Vice President of Global Channel and Partner Ecosystems at AppPoint. Jason was hired to drive AppPoint's mandate to be a partner-led company. And you might recall both Ducks Raymond Sai and AppPoint's CEO, TJ, have been guests on this podcast. Jason is driving that mandate by building out AppPoint's channel and partner-to-partner motion, working with Microsoft and now also Google and Salesforce. In this episode, Jason discusses AppPoint's success and growth, why partners are so important to their future success, partnering principles from a successful career in the channel, and a bit more about his personal journey. I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I enjoyed getting to know Jason Beal. Jason, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Vince. It's great to be here. Appreciate you having me on. I am excited to have you as a guest on Ultimate Guide to Partnering. You're the Senior Vice President of Global Channels and Partner Ecosystems at AppPoint, a company that I have known over the years very well. And I'm excited to have you as a guest today to share with our listeners AppPoint's success and expansion in your new role. So welcome. Thank you. Yeah, it's an exciting time at, uh, at AppPoint. And so it's an exciting time to be able to share and uh, to be on the podcast with you. You know, we have had Ducks Raymond Sai as a guest multiple times on this podcast. Ducks is a dear friend as well. And uh, we've gotten to know each other over the years. And we also previously featured your CEO, TJ, actually a few years ago on the podcast. But for our listeners that may not know about AppPoint, can you tell us a little bit more about the company and its value proposition? Sure. So first, I had the opportunity to meet face-to-face Ducks and TJ for the first time my post-COVID business travel a few weeks ago in Jersey City. And I mean, you talk about passion, you talk about energy, you talk about vision. The, the leadership team at this company is quite impressive. And Docs and DJ are, are two great guys. Uh, and I know they send their regards. Uh, so at point, we are the only full SaaS data management ISV for digital collaboration platforms. And we've really been a pioneer and a leader in this, in this collaboration security space. Our platform has the largest SaaS user base in specifically in the Microsoft 365 ecosystem. So about over 7 million cloud users leverage our collaboration security platform. 
That includes, again, a predominantly you know, close ties to the Microsoft ecosystem, but we're also a multi-platform with support for both Google and Salesforce Cloud announced recently. Seven million users, that's astounding. And, you know, certainly such a huge ecosystem of users in the Microsoft world, not to mention the Google and Salesforce worlds as well. So quite a quite a market opportunity, I would say. Yes, it's a, in fact a, a growing TAM. I mean, you look at the various research from, from analysts in the space, more and more customers, clients, government entities, students, right, are moving on to collaboration. Platforms are moving into the cloud. So at point, we're really at the heart of those mega trends, this move to the cloud, this remote workforce. And we've really been pushing the boundaries of enterprise digital collaboration for a couple of decades, right? helping manage and migrate and protect data. Now, I mean, as you know, Vince, schools, government entities, private companies, they are racing to move to these digital collaboration platforms. So we're there to help. We're there to help partners, help their customers be productive, but also secure and compliant when they're using those collaboration tools. Yeah, such a time of intense transformation, right? Satya talked about the two years and two months transformation, and IDC now says seven years of transformation just this past year. What does your organization see now that didn't expect to see with all of this intense transformation happening? You know, the, the acceleration has been quite impressive. I'll just speak personally. I've been in the IT space for a couple of decades, and, you know, the move to the cloud was anticipated. There was a transformation. There were more and more entities and partners, right, slowly crossing the chasm. But to your point, the acceleration in the last year, particularly driven by COVID, where companies moving to the cloud and moving to the collaboration platforms has been, I think, has been incredibly impressive how they've been able to kind of keep the engines running, keeping students learning, keeping employees productive, keeping to drive a lot of innovation, in fact, despite all of the challenges, right, with the pandemic. So what did I not expect? I didn't expect that we would pull it off so relatively seamlessly. Right? I mean, <laughs> right. at the pace that was moved was probably absent of the typical planning and due diligence and user training and documentation, right? We just needed to rush employees and students and other constituents onto these platforms. The opportunity now is really for organizations to know that everything is locked down, that, it, you know, in a, in a secure and compliant way. We, we talk a lot about partners have this opportunity to move from backup to buttoning up, right? Your users are on there. Is it secure? Are you not having the wrong data shared in the wrong hands? But yeah, I've been impressed with how quickly we moved and that uh, that that move on to the cloud and onto these collaboration platforms does present a, a, a big opportunity for the channel to continue to add value to their customers and make sure that they remain productive while being secure. Backed up to buttoned up. I really like that phrase, by the way. I want to reuse that. You have to tell us more about that. Yeah, please, please do. We talk a lot about yeah, not just backing up the environment, but is it cleaned up? Is it buttoned up? Right? Do you have? the right user uh, policies right down to an individual file or an individual team or a channel to, to make sure, again, that you don't have data leakage, that even the wrong folks inside of the company aren't, aren't accessing the, 
data that they shouldn't be. So really buttoning up the environment and the AppPoint collaboration security platform provides a lot of feature functionality to, for companies and for MSPs to do that buttoning up work. So Jason, I got to know AppPoint quite a few years ago. In fact, when I was running the public sector partner business at Microsoft and AppPoint was a fledgling organization. And I know you've only been there a short period of time, but how has the company evolved? Tell us more about the path to where you are today. Yeah, I think at the heart of AppPoint is this incredible strength around R&D and our you know, two-decade development partnership on the uh, Microsoft platform, right? And the, the synergies that we have from a development standpoint, the synergies that we have with the Microsoft partner ecosystem, just that development strength and that expertise is, is just going to core to the success of the company. And secondly, you know, like many extremely successful and enduring companies, we're extremely customer uh, focused and customers working really closely with them in the field, understanding their needs right for, for their particular business or an industry segment has really also helped guide the R&D strategy and the evolution of our collaboration security platform. Another you know, huge opportunity right now for us is this leveraging this full force multiplier of the partner channel, right? More and more of these days, uh, customers have different buying preferences and technology consumption, right? Preferences. You have many different partner business models that have evolved to serve these various end customer technology consumption preferences. And the opportunities for AppPoint to work with those partners of varying business models so that they can uh, introduce our technology to help meet the needs of uh, individual customers or particular industries. So tell us more about this role and mission that you have. You're the Senior Vice President, Global Channel and Partner Ecosystems. And you brought up a couple of really great points around this evolution, if you will, of the channel. And I want to peel back on that, but tell us more about like your mandate. Sure. So the, you know, at, at its core, my mandate is to build out a partner ecosystem. That means, you know, recruiting more and more partners, again, to various business models, managed service providers, local solution providers, global systems integrators, service providers, distributors, B2B marketplaces, cloud marketplaces, Again, the, the channel ecosystem today is quite diverse, and my core mandate is to build out that indirect route to market and then really to lay the proper foundation for partner success. All right, that includes a partner program. That includes things like deal registration, pricing, and, and protection. That includes things like uh, driving active co-selling between our sales teams and partner sales teams in the field. And... Um, uh, everything that partners need as far as training and enablement, right? How to help the partners understand your technology and be able to best position it and then support it throughout its life cycle with end customers. So that's the core mandate of my new role leading global channels at AvPoint. And I love that mandate. And I know that TJ has been on board, which is so fundamental to the success, right? Because I believe, and I know you do as well, that partnerships is the key accelerant to growth and transformation during this time. Can you talk to us a little bit more about what you think or what you believe makes a great partner? Yeah, so like I mentioned with AppPoint, being an extremely customer-focused organization, the partners too, I've seen in my career that are the most successful are the ones that are also 
the most highly customer focused. And there are some partners that will provide an advisory, but they always talk about this local trusted advisor. They'll provide advisory and consultancy services. You have other partners that that might just be involved in the actual transaction. And then you have others that are more of an ongoing managed support and services model. The partners that I've seen are the ones that are most successful are specialized in a particular technology or a small subset of technologies rather than trying to be all things technology to all vendors. They typically will specialize in a particular industry segment and they'll know banking and finance really well, or they'll know health and medical, or they'll know hospitality and retail. So the more that I've seen that partners that will specialize, that increases kind of that intensity of their of their customer focus. They know lines of business applications. They know particular pain points for those customers and, you know, have been very, very successful. The only other ad that I'll say to answer the question around, you know, great partners, I've always said IT security equals job security for partners, right? Meaning that the more that the partners are investing in their human capital, the more that they are getting more certifications, higher level specializations for the talent in their organization, salespeople, SEs, consulting engineers, the more value that they're going to be able to add for the customers, the more practically they'll increase their billable rates. As you know, Vince, they always say in mystery, there's margin. And nowadays, there's a lot of mystery in cybersecurity. It's becoming ever more complex and, and, and ever more dangerous. So good partners invest in their people, invest in, in skill set and certifications. And the more that they can specialize and increase those competencies, I think the more uh, chance they have for success and survivability. Such an important topic area around security right now with all the breaches we've seen and you know the mandate from our new president with regards to ensuring that all the software vendors are providing secure solutions back to the federal government. What do you look for in terms of you're building out this partner ecosystem? What characteristics do you look for in a great partner? You know, we're looking for partners that want to take that, that the core of our technology and work with us in ways where we can build solutions, right? Build a joint go-to-market solution with a partner, co-create IP, drive differentiation through connectivity to third-party applications or lines of business applications, develop integrations, use us as a kind of embed us as a core piece of technology in a partner's digital transformation or workplace transformation solution. They, that's what we're li- really looking for is let's, let's go out and build a joint solution. Let's build services around our technology. Microsoft talks a lot about this ecosystem economic opportunity, right? One dollar of Microsoft will generate, according to IDC, about nine and a half dollars of this ecosystem economic opportunity for the partners. That's where AppPoint lives and breathes. That's where we can help partners. We are a part of that economic opportunity and the partners that are servicing the needs of their customers, but also building a, a business on IP, joint solution services. We think those are the partners of the future. It's interesting, Vince. The other thing that I'll mention is that the more partners that I talk to these days, I keep hearing this term from them. You know, we're non-transactional or we no. don't want to be transactional. 
And it's quite interesting. There's cases where we want to bring business to partners for a, let's call it a fulfillment perspective. And the partners will say, you know, we're, we're not transactional. We don't resell hardware or software licenses. Yeah, it's interesting. You, you know, you do have a lot of partners that are transactional, but yet more and more that say our business model is based on, on a, you know, again, uh, kind of a pseudo ISD or building out a, a, a unique solution, building IP or purely a services approach. So there'll be partners in our universe that are transactional and there'll be those that are non-transactional, but great partners will take the core of our technology and try to create a unique go-to-market solution or service to really help solve a problem for the end customer. You know, it strikes me that it takes all those people in the room, all those partners in the room. We talk about Jay McBain and he's been a guest on the podcast multiple times. I know you've talked with Jay and, and he talks about the five people around the table that are helping to influence that process. And it might be one that's influencing it from a consulting perspective, another that's a subject matter expert, another one that's an implementation partner, another that others that are multiple solution partners that are coming together to solve for the whole issue or the whole solution. It strikes me that that's exactly what you're building from what you're saying. Well, yeah, the, the, when I mentioned earlier, these, this end user technology you know, buying their, their, their preferences, as well as just how they ultimately make decisions on technology. That's, that's changed. You know, these, they're doing so much more research on their own They They do seek validation. They do seek advice from technology advisors, but customers more and more are, are getting information from so many different avenues. Again, it's one of the reasons I still believe in this role of the local trusted advisor and getting eyeball to eyeball to really help a customer, you know, have the right technology solution to meet their problem. So we're riding on an elevator and uh, hopefully it's a pretty long ride, but maybe 20 to 50 stories. And I'm a potential partner. Why should I as a partner choose to work with that point? There is a big opportunity right now as millions and millions of users have moved on to these digital uh, collaboration platforms again, accelerated in the last year by COVID. Now, the great news is that employees can have productivity, but unfortunately, there are some, there's some collateral damage, right? And some potential risk to organizations when you've moved customers onto those platforms. So Avpoint is the leader in collaboration security, and we provide partners a full platform, right? Rather than some disjointed set of point products, but we have a true integrated collaboration security platform to help partners, help their customers who are moving to the cloud, moving to these collaboration platforms, migrate, manage, and protect the data, and provide a suite of of governance that really protects the users and some of the intellectual property of the company. We are the leader in that collaboration security space, and partners have a great opportunity to, to monetize uh, those needs with their prospects and customers. Sounds like a great value proposition. Uh, thank you. For our partner listeners who would like to get in touch with you, Jason, what's the best way for them to do so? One is always make myself directly available. You can find me on LinkedIn. I'd love to connect directly uh, with partners. I love getting on the phone. Partners are like the best way that I learn, uh, gather information to set the app point channel strategy. So reach out to me. I'm also on Twitter at Varaholic. So, you know, I, I love the partner channel when my Twitter handle is Varaholic. I uh, love or, Varaholic. Yeah, I love that one. 
<laughs> or just go on our website and click to become a partner and, and uh, that email will find me. We will have links to all of that in our show notes. So great, Jason. So, you know, you might know from listening to other episodes that I'm fascinated with how people got to this spot in their career. And I try to help earlier in career professionals to learn from people like you that have reached a pinnacle of success as a senior vice president in a major technology company. So you can tell us more about your path and how you got here. Yeah, you know, I, Vince, I always look back because I was raised by teachers. In fact, between my dad, my mom, and my stepdad, I have three in academia. I, somehow I always knew I would do international business. I studied international business undergrad, and I just knew I'd go into it. So in one way, I'm, I'm living a, the career that I kind of fancied as a, as a young lad. My grandfather was a businessman, right? And I, he was, you know, my inspiration, my hero, and he taught us a lot about business. But when I look back and I look at, a, is there a point in time, you know, you talked about a pivot point or passion, right, that led me to this path. I always think back into the Summer Olympics in 1984. So I'm I living in Southern California, right? It was the Los Angeles Olympics. And my brother at that time was three years older. He was 13. I was 10. He had a, a newspaper route for the local pub. And we got this opportunity to sell newspapers at the LA Olympics in 84, the Los Angeles Times. And I still remember, you talk about a different era, but you know, my parents allowed some stranger to come into a with a pickup truck, put my brother and I as 10 and 13 year olds in the back of a pickup truck about 6 a.m. in the morning so that we could fold newspapers, drop us at the equestrian events in Cota de Casa so that we could harass, you know, Olympic attendees as they came off the bus to buy our newspaper for a quarter. And that was a it was a, just I look back on my brother and I always talk about it. But the immediately after that, I was going into fourth grade and I got a paper out for my first time. Nice. And it was, it's again, at a local paper, it was Tuesdays and Thursdays after school. You come home and collate and fold and then, you know, go out on your bike and throw newspapers around. But you'd have to go and collect the money door to door, right, on a monthly basis. So I look back on that now. I mean, there was an element of operations and distribution there. There was cash collections. There was door to door customer service, right? That, And I had that newspaper route for a number of years. And I think that's what... I look back on that now and that selling newspapers at the Olympics and then having that newspaper, you know, got my start in business. I love that story. In fact, I remember that Olympics. In fact, you were at the aquatic center. That's where, isn't that where Greg Luganis was doing all those? Do he, yeah. was, he was prominent during that Olympic time. I was yeah, in fact, we had, uh, we had a Brazilian swimmer who had who come over and trained out of Mission Viejo, which was a big aquatic center, you know, a few months ahead of the Olympics. And he stayed at our house. We hosted this Brazilian swimmer. And so he could train and get ready for the Olympics. So it was, a, it was, a, it was there's a lot of good memories around that 84 Olympics for us. Yeah, I bet. I bet. So was there one best piece of advice you received on this path? My mom is a big, again, she's an academician, right? She was head of the, the Senate at her community college. And she brought me into her class a lot just to observe, right? And then she would talk to us a lot at the dinner table around students, right? And those that when she would describe the students that 
she enjoyed teaching, that she um, kind of knew would be successful, and some of the characteristics that those students were demonstrating, both in her class and maybe at office hours. It, so it's not like a specific piece of advice, but I always remember listening to my mom describe those students that were successful and she felt would be successful based upon some of those building blocks and how they their work ethic or how they participated in the class. I always just kind of stored those nuggets and made sure that I could live up to some of those, incorporate those into either my own study habits or eventually my my work habits. So, yeah, not not a specific piece of advice, but that my mom taught me a lot um, about kind of those foundations for success, whether it's in, again, in academia or in the business world. So path to learning is the way yeah. I think I heard that, right? Is there, is there a favorite book or, or a lesson that you've learned through your career? You know, Patrick Lencioni's The Five Dysfunctions of a Team is one of the, was one of my favorites. I, we read that quite a while ago. I think I read it as part of my MBA program, but if there's, you know, a one book that somebody has says a hey, go out and pick up. That's the one. Yeah, it's a great book. I have it here on my bookshelf as well. So, Jason, is there one superpower, or what do you think you're encoded for? You know, I pride myself, Vince, on uh, my ability to teach young children how to ride a bike without training wheels. Right? Whether we want to call that a superpower, I don't nice. know. But I do have a lot of pride. I've raised four children, and I've taught my own four kids you know, how to ride the bike and it kind of developed a process and some best practice to that. And, you know, my oldest son right now is, is 28 years old. My youngest uh, as a daughter is six. So I've had, you know, I've had four times of just teaching my kids. And then I've been able to have a uh, neighbor, neighborhood children and parents asked me to do it. And then my sister and brother-in-law and I, I was able to teach my uh, nephews on how to ride their bikes without training wheels. So I take a little bit of pride. You know, it's not easy. I've got a system and it works out. And I've got a pretty high success rate. I'm picturing you on a Saturday morning out on the street corner, helping all the neighborhood kids out. Yeah, we have, you know, unfortunately, I live right next to this a green belt. And so there's, you know, these sidewalks, right, that go through the green belt. And so you've got grass on both sides. So it brings down the fear factor a little bit for kids if they do fall, right? They're going to fall into grass, right? Rather than into the street or asphalt. But uh, yeah, it's, you know, there's a lot of folk, parents who don't, don't know, and you watch them out there <laughs> and the kids aren't getting it. And so if I can offer my services and that, you know, that smile on the kid's face and once they get started and they're doing it on their own, they don't want to stop. So that's my superpower. So I love that. I think that's terrific. I wonder how that equates to how do you transfer that into your business setting? I'm a fairly process-oriented person. And I think, you know, in, particularly in channel sales, right, where you're, you know, sometimes a couple steps away from the end customer, you really need to double down on, you know, setting a clear vision, having a well-defined process, and then kind of measuring along the way. I think second is just a, you know, there's a bit of a... Um, of a instant gratification. There's a bit of joy and pride that comes right after you kind of execute this process, you let go a little bit and you have this, the goal fulfilled. There's a little bit of pride there. So I think that there are some parallels there for our business each day and even for enabling partners to kind of ride their own bikes and deliver our technology to customers. 
I love the metaphor about taking that to a global partner ecosystem. I think it's so spot on. I think it's great. So it's a lot like it's a lot like training a partner how to ride a bike or how to how to go and execute a business strategy with and through you. Yeah, and then like yeah, slowly taking off those training wheels. So I have a question I have a lot of fun with. And you know, I was just recently watching Tom Hanks and Cast Away after many, many years and uh, you know, Wilson and the basketball, but you're stuck on an island, Jason, and you can only take five songs along with you on the on your playlist. And these are the only five songs, by the way, you'll ever have the opportunity to listen to while you're on deserted on this island. What five songs would you select and why? Mm, that's a good one. You know, I I could probably I could probably give you five songs. I could probably give you a Rage Against the Machine song, Bulls on Parade, right? Because at some point you'd have to get pumped up. You'd, you need to go hunt and kill animals probably or just do something daring. So I could probably give you a Rage Against the Machine song. I could probably give you a Whitney Houston, I'll Always Love You because the incredible vocals just bring you know yeah. tears to your eyes and help you remember loved ones. I like a Rolling Stone, right, from either Dylan or Hendrix, I could probably give you. Nice. Les Mis, I'm a big fan of Les Mis. Right? Do you hear the people sing? I think would be one to have in your arsenal over there also to get you inspired. Um, and then probably I could give you a, hey, let's let's sing a happy tune. <laughs> it might be pretty challenging out there. So maybe Bob Marley, everything's going to be all right or that kind of quirky, don't worry, be happy. So I could probably give you those five, but I was thinking about it just now and I said, let's take a different approach. Man, if you're going to be on an island, why take songs with you that you've, you know, that you've listened to for the last several decades? I'd say, give me five that I've never heard of. Give me five songs I've never heard. I'll take my chances. I typically like a lot of different types of music. So I'd, I'd pick five songs I've never heard and then I'd just slowly spoon feed them to myself. Maybe, you know, one new song per every couple of months. I don't know how long I need to be on this island, but maybe that's what I'd do. I'd probably rather discover five new ones than, than, than bring five ones that I've been listening to for a few decades. Very insightful. I love your answer. I love your answer. So I have another great question for you. And, you know, we're not, we're not on the desert island any longer. You have the okay. chance now to host a dinner party. And uh, hopefully, you know, we're all now been vaccinated or unmasked and COVID is beyond behind us. Uh, who would you invite to this dinner party? Any three guests from the present or the past? Who would you invite and why? I miss my grandpa Joe. I mentioned my grandpa Joe earlier. And, you know, unfortunately, he passed, you know, as you always say it's too soon, but he certainly passed too soon. And I'm at a different point in my life now. And I would love I just love more time with him to be able to sit down and even if it's just for a meal to be in his company, to hear his stories again, to hear his compliments again, um, ask him some different questions now that I'm at that different point in my life and think about things differently. But I miss my grandpa Joe a lot. I'd love, I'd love to have another meal with him. And then there's, you know, my, the first boss that I had in IT, a gentleman named Mike Robb also, unfortunately passed suddenly while we were working and you know he had two beautiful children wife you know owned a company successful entrepreneur but it was a mentor to me took a chance on me bringing me into the company and at that time in my life I was a, I was a single father and I was things weren't always easy and Mike was always so supportive 
in so many different ways. And then again, he was, he, he was, he just passed suddenly, he didn't show up for work. And so never really got to say goodbye or got to thank him for not only the mentorship, but all the support that he gave me as a young single father. So I'd be, I'd love to spend another meal with, with Mike, see those big blue eyes again, hear his laugh, see that energy. And then, you know, the third man, I, it would be quite interesting to, to have Jesus at the table. And I'm, I'm not an incredibly religious person. I certainly believe in a higher power, but the book, right? Christianity, the stories are such a part of our Western civilization. It'd be interesting to get his perspective on the book, right? You know, he, he would certainly have some stories to tell, some lessons to, to lend, but could also could validate or maybe answer some questions that, are, again, are so important to our Western civilization. Yeah, such great selection here, Jason. I was just thinking, you know, maybe I'll come over to Orange County and, and join you all for a, a glass of wine and meet Grandpa Joe and Mike and, and Jesus, and it'd be a great conversation for sure. Well, you have a seat at the table anytime, Vince. Thank you. And Jason, thank you so much. You have been an incredible guest. I'm so excited to welcome you to the Ultimate Guide to Partnering and to welcome your success here in this role, such an exciting role, and for our partner ecosystems to grow and to expand and to build their practices with and through AppPoint. So thank you for joining today. No, thank you again. Thanks for having me. This has been fun. I've, I've enjoyed this. It's been a really good dialogue. And uh, anytime that you need help you know we're here to help i appreciate you giving the ab point the, this opportunity and giving me this opportunity and i look forward to keep working with you in uh, in different ways absolutely looking forward to it thanks again all right thanks Vince. as with each of my episodes i appreciate your support please subscribe on your favorite platform like comment tell your friends about ultimate guide to partnering and where they can find us and i'd love your feedback please like the podcast and provide comments or reach out to me at Vince Menzion on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can also like and follow Ultimate Guide to Partnering on our Facebook page, or drop me a line at vincem at ultimate-partnerships.com. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Ultimate Partnerships. Ultimate Partnerships helps you get the most results from your partnerships. Get partnerships right, optimize for success, deliver results. For more information, go to ultimate-partnerships.com. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Ultimate Guide to Partnering with your host, Vince Minzion. Online at ultimateguidetopartnering.com and facebook.com slash ultimateguidetopartnering. We'll catch you next time on The Ultimate Guide to Partnering.